welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast releasing two episodes this week. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who's going to Ireland in 2021. Oh, yeah. That was definitely me, Ryan Newman. As soon as that was announced that Nebraska and Illinois are open in the 2021 season, that's it. That's going to be sweet. That is going to be sweet. And I'm also joined by the other brother who's going to wait to see what the point spread is before booking his ticket. <laughs> that's, <laughs> uh, yeah. that's right. That's Trey Newman. We don't want another repeat of Ohio State. <laughs> don't think Illinois can get to that level. Well, that's probably true. Yeah. Um, all right. This is the first of two episodes this week. Our mid-season trivia show is going to be coming out in a couple days. So be sure you're subscribed and keep an eye out on your feed for that. But let's start this episode with three new five-star reviews. So go ahead, Ryan. All right. First one is from Alex Lincoln. Uh, The bros have amazing knowledge of not only their team, but the entire college football landscape. I'm making this review pre-Minnesota. Oops. Uh, <laughs> but what are your thoughts on Nebraska's chances to steal a game from either Wisconsin or Iowa? Thank you for your time and keeping it real. Well, <laughs> easy answer now. Uh, yeah, Alex, it's it's pretty amazing to say, but at this point, you just you you can't rationally say Nebraska could steal a game from Wisconsin or Iowa. You know, Nebraska's offense can't do much consistently. The defense can't stop the run. You know, of if I had to pick any of those two games, I'd say Iowa because they're not quite as good as Wisconsin, but I just, I don't see at this point how you could say they'd pull it out. Yeah. Significant underdogs. Okay. Next one comes from bug eater. 1990 says go big red. Got a lot of Husker fans. Yeah. Uh, love the podcast. The bros are very knowledgeable and unbiased. Of course, the Husker fan th- fans think yeah. we're unbiased. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know how unbiased we are if all the Husker fans love us. Yeah. But I was going to say, whoops. Anyway, uh, my question is, if college football ever went to four 16-team power conferences, which current Power 5 conference would fold, and where would their teams go? Also, will Texas be the next Notre Dame and just go independent? Hashtag horns down. What do you think, Ryan? Um, I mean, if the, so if they fold, I mean, the Big 12 is obviously the, 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 the likely candidate to fold. It's the least stable of the conferences. Yeah, it's the one everyone brings up. So, yeah. yeah. I guess I'm going to go with the big 12. That would be the one that would fold. So, I mean, I'll go through the teams here. I got I, from the pac 12. They're sending Kansas and Kansas state. They're not splitting them up. Uh, then TCU and Baylor are also the other. So that's, I got four to make a 16. Okay. Wow. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Really got the cream of the crop there. Well, you know, you got a good Kansas hoop squad. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's a good yeah. point. Um, big 10. I got Iowa state makes the most sense there. And Texas tech, I don't know, there was just a, Texas Tech was kind of a leftover. <laughs> Somebody okay. had to go. Uh, SEC, you got, I'm saying Texas and OU. I don't think they want to split up if they go into a conference. So they kind of make the most sense there. Wow. The SEC would be. I know, the SEC is just. <laughs> Even more dominant. A monster conference. Yeah. They'll have to like get like two automatic bids or something yeah. to the, <laughs> whatever, the tournament. Um, then ACC, I, I put West Virginia and Oklahoma State. So yeah, I split up the Oklahoma schools. All right. Oh, yeah. Then the other question, will Texas go in? Well, that, I guess this is like separate situation. No? Will Texas go independent? Or does, I would think, I don't think he's going to say Texas is just not going to join a super conference. I could, it, it's, if there's a team like 
that powerful, like that highly thought of the blue blood like that, I think Texas would be probably the most likely to go independent just because yeah. they have the brand. Okay. Uh, Trey, what's the what's the last review? Yeah, we got one. It says from Trevenator262. Go Utes. Love the podcast. Look forward to it every Tuesday night during my work shift. Simple, funny, and a great all-around update for the diehard college football fan. Keep it up, bros, and go Utes. All right, Utah. Yeah, there's someone, some other blood besides Nebraska is always good. Yeah, it's true. Um, but we appreciate our Husker fans as well, of course. Let's uh, let's move on to the Week 7 recap, and we will start with the most surprising big game. Georgia lost at home to South Carolina 20-17. to So I'm going to recap this one, but I'm just going to skip straight to the end because that's where it really got pretty crazy so of course jake Fromm ties it up 17 to 17 south carolina they get a fourth and three at the georgia 40 yard line with 40 seconds left and it's a tough choice here whether to go for it or punt i really wouldn't have scolded them too much for either one i probably would have gone for it well Muschamp did neither they kicked a 57 yard <laughs> field goal missed it badly uh so then that gave georgia a chance to win they get it to the South Carolina 38-yard line. No timeouts, eight seconds left. Ooh. The bros, we were all texting. Seems like right there, keeping the offense out there, there's not a lot of good things that could happen. Well, they already ran one play with like, what, 14 or something like that on second down. Yep. That seemed like your one chance to get it closer, you know? Right. And then, because with eight seconds left, no timeouts, I mean, if you have a penalty or if you get tackled in bounds or sacked or whatever, there's a lot of bad things that can happen. I thought a 55-yard field goal from Rodrigo Blankenship, that's that's makeable. He, he could make that. Yep. Well, they got a penalty, so they went five yards back and then kicked the field goal, right? 60, give him a shot. No, 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 no. Hail Mary. That, I mean, a Hail Mary com- compared to a 60-yard from Hot Rod? Yeah. I mean, I, there's no way a Hail Mary is a higher percentage play there. A lot of people were joking that Kirby had the the kick six, you know, in mind on that. Yeah. I mean, I thought about it live. Yeah, like, for sure. <laughs> that's why he's not kicking it. <laughs> anyway, they, they didn't do that. And so Hail Mary obviously didn't work. We go to overtime, yada, yada, double overtime. Rodrigo Blankenship misses a 42-yard field goal to tie. And South Carolina wins. So what did you guys take from this game? Yeah, I, well, one of the things was, I don't know if you guys look at the box scores from Bill Bill Connolly after the game, but he said, you know, what he does is he takes all the stats from the actual game and, and weighs the probability of what should have happened, essentially. And even after the game with all the stats, Georgia dominated so much that South Carolina only had an 8% chance of actually winning the game. Was based that the on, lowest one of the year? I don't even I, know. It, I think it might be. Because I thought I saw like a fifteen percent, like Wake had one a couple weeks ago, and they somehow pulled it out. But wow, that's that's crazy. But, yeah, but it really, it's kind of surprising though, because Georgia did have four turnovers, and that ended up doing them in. And you know, Fromm just didn't really look comfortable. They they couldn't quite finish drives. You know, they would rack up the yards, but there was either a turnover, a, a missed field goal, or a penalty kind of prevented them from from punching it in. So, but either way, props to the Gamecocks for looking great and constantly bringing the pressure. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, to me, it just seemed like, uh, I like Kirby Smart, he's obviously doing fantastic there, but it just seemed like he was a little conservative, maybe, I, I don't know, they just didn't quite open it up enough, or he made some questionable conservative decisions, especially at the end, and yeah. what happened to their offensive line this I game? I know, that's that's the thing, South Carolina's defensive line played great in this one, and they were awesome. 
yeah, Georgia's O-line did definitely did not look like the best in the country this weekend. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. It was puzzling. That one inter- that one interception for a touchdown by their corner was incredible play. Yeah, Mukwamu had 3 interceptions in the game, so he was awesome. And yeah, the whole secondary, I mean, from he he was bad. From was bad for sure, but the South Carolina secondary was really good too. Georgia receivers for the most part weren't getting open even when they did throw it deep, which they did. It just yeah. They, did not complete them so uh it's definitely a bad loss especially because we didn't even bring up the fact yet that Holinsky, of course went down with an injury so uh south carolina played the whole second half with uh decarian joiner he was horrible at quarterback and they just could do nothing he was a running back essentially yeah and he apparently didn't even practice um or practice very little during the week because he had a an injury so yeah the the fact that south carolina still won with with him at quarterback for the second half looks very bad for Georgia. But I will say, if Clemson can lose to a a five loss pit team and still win the title, if Ohio State can lose also at home to a six loss Virginia Tech team and win it all, then it's not out of the question that Georgia could do the same here. No, it's no, not. Of course not, especially with the opportunities that they have and, left. Yeah, on I their mean, schedule. I don't think any of us would would pick them, of course, but. You never and know. And pointing to Trey's stat about the 8% win chance South Carolina had probability-wise, then it's kind of, that also tells you Georgia's still the better team. It just got yeah. unlucky there. No, I saw, yeah, they had a, I saw that stat, Trey, and they had, Bill Connolly had Georgia with a much higher success rate, more scoring opportunities, higher yards per play, but yeah, they just made too many mistakes. But we kind of talked about it. I mean, everybody knew it, but we talked about it at nauseum before the year, like Georgia's wide receivers. I mean, it mm-hmm. was going to cost him a game, and it cost him this one. It did. Yeah, and um, Cager went down with an injury, too. I'm not sure if he's supposed to be out long, but he's been one of their best receivers for sure. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay, let's move on. Oklahoma won 34-27 to against Texas in the Red River shootout. What did you see here, Trey? Yeah, even though Texas kept coming back to get close – I don't know about you guys, but you did, to me, it kind of always felt like the Sooners would still pull it out. Oh, 100%. Uh, Texas had no answer for C.D. Lamb, which we knew might be the case considering the the youth and the weaker secondary for, for Texas. But he was breaking tackles, juking defenders all game. It was really incredible, some of the plays he made. You know, if I took anything away from this game, I'd say this was the first game where I could truly tell – Alex Grinch and his defense have improved. Uh, they hadn't really played too many teams before this, but they held Ellinger and Texas in check for the most part. Yeah, I agree with that. That's kind of the thing I was waiting for, 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 for OU. They hadn't gone up against a really good offense. I mean, they'd obviously looked improved, but they were getting pressure. Their defensive line looked pretty good. Kenneth Murray is super active, getting after the quarterback just all over the place, really. Yeah, but, they had uh, nine sacks and 15 tackles for loss. Yeah, that's what it, it was just like, okay, now, that's when you know you've got a, a defense that's pretty good when you're making tackles behind the line of scrimmage, making impact plays. So it's way different than what they were having the last couple of years. So, yep. I just echo your guys' sentiments. This, it was a close score, seven points, but really it felt like Oklahoma dominated. They outgained them by over 200 yards. So yep. They're clearly better. Yep. All right, let's move on to LSU beating Florida 42 to 28. What were your thoughts here, Ryan? Yeah. I mean, you just got to look immediately to Joe Burrow. It's all about Joe. It's all about the Jimmies and the Joes. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> As they say. Yes. 21 of 24, 293 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. I mean, he was 
outstanding. I, I'm just still in awe about how this LSU offense looks this year, and they did it against a very good defensive team. Florida, there's just no way to around it. You can't just make an excuse about, oh, they were doing it against subpar competition. No, Florida's, Florida's good. Mm-hmm. So this was uh, a, just a dominating performance from them. The O-line has been outstanding. I mean, unreal. Uh, they averaged 9.1 yards per carry. Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are outstanding wide receivers. So I don't know. They were just, LSU was the better team here than I'm it's crazy. I, I don't know what's going on here in, in Baton Rouge. I feel like this is not the same team we've been watching for the last 15 years. I know. We've been calling for the, or hoping for the offense to finally put it all together. And yeah, they clearly finally have. But as far as Florida, I mean, they were in this game for pretty much the whole thing. Like I come away from this game feeling better about Florida too, despite the loss that that 14 point difference that was the game was closer than that would indicate. Yeah, yeah. And Kyle Trask had a great game. He did throw that pick, of course, at the end that where they had a chance to tie, but still, he he played really well. And with Georgia going down now, suddenly Florida, of course, is has some hope in the SEC East. So yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah, Kyle Trask. He was he was a gamer. I mean, he was hobbled on a knee, and he was running some option plays. I mean, on the gimpy leg, like he was he was he was solid. I, I was impressed uh, going on the road in that environment. Edward Hilaire, uh, Hilaire for LSU, my gosh, he was just running left and right on that Florida defense. Mm -hmm. But how good is Derek Stingley, the freshman for LSU, man? He's got to be – he might be the best cover corner in the country, and he's only a freshman. I know. It's crazy. There's so much talent in that LSU secondary and just on that defense in general. They need to play better. They haven't – clearly haven't lived up to the hype yet as far as just as a unit but yeah individually stingley's incredible but it, yeah lsu their offense it's just relentless they keep putting pressure i mean get, florida florida was up seven 28 21 and then like within a blink of an eye lsu was back up seven it was just they're they're crazy yep okay next game is penn state winning at iowa 17 to 12 to remain undefeated and i really don't have much to say about this one evenly played game both defenses dominated kind of as expected. Iowa's offense just made a couple more mistakes. They fumbled in their own territory, which led to a field goal. Nate Stanley threw a pick, which led to another touchdown. So yeah, Penn State has a great defense and an offense that can look really good against the bad defenses, but so far against Pitt and now Iowa, they've looked kind of meh. Yeah, they're not great, but at least Sean Clifford's proven he's a, a solid game manager, at least, and he doesn't make that game losing play. Uh, which is huge, especially when you have such a great defense that that Penn State has. Um, th- that's why they won. They were plus two in the turnover battle. Iowa uh, really could not run the ball at all. They rushed 30 times in this game for 70 yards. That's not going to win you many games. I know Iowa's had to face some uh, some pretty darn good defenses already this year. Uh, when you when you consider they've also played uh, who Michigan. Play? Yeah, Michigan, thank you. So and Iowa State. Yeah, exactly. Iowa State as well. I'm sure they're looking forward to to next week when they finally get a little bit of a break uh, when they play Purdue. But mm-hmm. Penn State, I'm impressed. I really am. They go on a road, tough environment at night. It's tough to win there, Kinnick Stadium. So that was that was an impressive win for me. Penn State's for real. And the more one of the most important stats to me was they went 10 of 19 on third down and were able to extend those drives and and keep the their own defense off the field. But purely as a fan of college football, you know, having Penn State win sets up an even better atmosphere for the whiteout against Michigan this upcoming week. So I didn't mind it. Game day. 
Yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a I don't know. Having Michigan right now, the way they've been playing, involved in a game day atmosphere is a little bit underwhelming. But you're right. I mean, at Penn State, the whiteout. Yeah, you wish Michigan would have at least lived up a little more to the hype. But they have a chance. They have an opportunity now. But we'll see. Yep, they do. Okay, let's get to the rapid recaps. Go ahead, Ryan. All right, first game here, got Syracuse at NC State. This was on Thursday. The Wolfpack won a pretty ugly game here, 16-10. to 10. Syracuse's offense really struggled, especially uh, on the ground. Tommy DeVito, he was actually okay in this one, uh, but just not enough from them. The Orange are disappointing this year. Although NC State is kind of maybe a little bit surprised. They're sitting at 4-2 and two right now. Uh, then we had Colorado at Oregon. This one was played on Friday. The Ducks just annihilated the Buffaloes 45-3. to That defense is legit. They forced four Steven Montez interceptions and held them under four yards per attempt. Ducks are really trying to make a statement here that they should be alive for the playoff, and they definitely are at this point. Got uh, my Virginia at Miami. Next one, this was also on Friday. This was kind of Virginia's time to shine, but... Seems like nobody really wants to be the the second best team in the ACC. Uh, no, they, they, although they did, I think they outplayed Miami in this in this game. They they went ten of nineteen on third downs and had seven more first downs total, but they still lost. Miami's got a good D, so uh, you know it's okay. It's a, it's not a terrible loss for Virginia, but it's a pretty good opportunity for them here. Next one, I got Texas Tech at Baylor. This was a, a pretty crazy game here. So it went into overtime. I'll just skip to that. Uh, in the first overtime, Baylor's center, he snapped the ball, and it kind of hit his own butt, which <laughs> caused a fumble, and it was recovered by Texas Tech. But the refs blew the play dead, and they called it an illegal snap, which it wasn't. It was just a bad snap. So it negated the turnover. Baylor got the ball just with a five-yard penalty, and they ended up scoring a touchdown a couple plays later totally a blown call though they've already admitted it the conference already admitted it so you know bummer for texas tech and obviously we know baylor ended up winning in double overtimes so six and oh they're, they're just a team of destiny guys that's, that's, that's what it is <laughs> yeah apparently denzel mims had an amazing catch in that one. Oh, in the, oh yeah gosh yeah and then <laughs> well, he dropped then, it. then then the terrible drop yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they got the w yeah yep. all right then my last game i got uh washington at arizona uh, Washington just woke up here at halftime. They scored 38 points in the second half and dominated the Wildcats, uh, 51 to 27. Arizona lost three fumbles in this game. Plus they had a Khalil Tate interception, four turnovers. You're just not going to beat UW, UW like that. So UW, you don't know what you're going to get, man. They're just week to week, half to half. Who knows? Very true. Uh, my first game here is, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm a little choked up about this one cause it's Wisconsin beating Michigan state 38, nothing. Michigan State was my lock of the week. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Did, didn't work out very well. <laughs> Wisconsin's defense now has four shutouts in six games, which is just crazy. Unreal. And they only got 80 yards from Jonathan Taylor in this game, but obviously they didn't need much. And as for Michigan State, we laughed in the offseason about them not making any changes to that offensive coaching staff. And it has turned out even worse, I think, than we all thought. Yeah. Yeah. Notre Dame beat USC 30 to 27. Solid win for them. As a USC fan, of course, I was cheering for USC to win, but I texted you guys. I think, Were you? What's that? Were you really? Wow, that's such a shock, Mike. Wow. <laughs> Why is that a shock? Why would you even say that? <laughs> well, because, well, because, of, because I'm getting to it, Ryan. Because really, maybe I should have been cheering for us to... fire Clay? Exactly. Exactly. 
All right. Understandable. Excuse me, Mike. So, because really, yeah, the best result might be Slovis playing well, the team looking decent. Yeah. And then a loss. So, at least that's what I'm telling myself. Fair enough. No, fair enough. We didn't even want to win Notre Dame. We didn't even want to win. <laughs> yeah. You can have it. Um, next, I have here the top two ranked teams heading into the week. Took care of business. Alabama beat A&M 47-28. And Clemson blew out Florida State 45-14. They made that Clemson, or the Florida State offense look really, really bad. And then, finally, the race for the New Year's 6 G5 slot. A lot of big games. App State won at Louisiana. 17 to 7 on Wednesday. Boise State beat Hawaii 59 to 37. Hank Bachmeyer left with a hip injury in that one, but they looked to be just fine with Chase Cord and Jalen Henderson. And then as far as the AAC, it is wide open right now. Memphis lost their first game at Temple 30 to 28. Might have got screwed at the end there yeah, on an yeah, overturn. They got screwed. Yeah, they, they had might not have won, but they got screwed. Might not have, but they were in or close to to field goal range with that catch but they overturned it even though how it, i i don't baffling. know i don't know maybe they had a small tv or something i, I i'm not sure yeah. why they <laughs> yeah well just sit closer oh good point ty hilton yeah. like yeah. that that yeah. point by you <laughs> yeah uh and then uh what was my last game here i i, I clicked away from my notes i think it was cincinnati beating uh, don't tell me guys oh Houston oh, okay, I would have come up with Trey that it was just the helper I, I like to help out <laughs> I know you like to help people it's 38 to 23 I think that's the score but I don't have my notes so anyway yeah they got a <laughs> they got a late pick six to to make it to ice it so yeah all right my first one is Michigan at Illinois kind of a weird game Michigan raced out to a 28 nothing lead before the Illini mounted a comeback they actually made it 28 to 25 in the fourth quarter before Michigan finally pulled away to win 42-25. to But Michigan almost doubled Illinois in yards, but they had a couple turnovers that let, let them back in the game. And actually, through nine games, Michigan has lost nine of their 17 fumbles they had, so they obviously need to shore that, shore that up for the last half of the year. Washington State at Arizona State. This game was back and forth, but ASU ended up winning 38-34. Anthony Gordon... 466 yards and three TDs, but he was outdueled by the freshman Jaden Daniels. What a what a start to his his campaign, man! 363, three touchdowns. Also ran for the game winning score where he almost helicoptered in the in the final minute. This game pretty much ends Wazoo's chances in the North, but but her man has ASU ranked 17th, and they're they have a huge game against Utah they, this week. The king of close games this year. Louisville at Wake Forest. This was crazy. Wake finally lost their first one, 62-59. to It was the second highest ACC game ever. Great win for Scott Satterfield. Both teams played most of the second half with their backup quarterbacks. Uh, for Louisville, Cunningham, Cunningham got hurt, and freshman Evan Conley came in to seal it. Sam Hartman tried to lead the crazy comeback for Wake after replacing our, our brother Jamie Newman, but he couldn't quite get it done. The biggest play of the game was fourth and three with two minutes to go. Louisville was up by three, and they were at the Wake 41. They went for it, good for them, and Conley ran for a 41-yard touchdown to ice it. Iowa State at TCU, or sorry, at West Virginia. This game was was tied at 14 at half, but then Iowa State just dominated the second, winning 38 to 14 in the end. The Cyclones' defense was the difference. They held the Mountaineers to 190 total yards and forced three turnovers. And finally, 
Nebraska at Minnesota. It was cold, windy. There were some snow flurries, but the Gophers just ran all over Nebraska. Rodney Smith led the Gophers with 139, but they had 322 as a team, almost seven yards a carry. The Huskers did have to start Noah Vedral as Martinez was hurt, but it wouldn't have mattered. The The Gophers were way more physical. The Husker defensive front seven was no match. And the Gophers, P.J. Fleck, they're 6-0. and And the Huskers head to a, a much-needed bye week. Yeah, and Minnesota looks like they're going to be 8-0, right? Because they've got Rutgers. Rutgers and Maryland, I think. I think, yeah, I think those are the two teams. So, yeah, looking good. Yep. Uh, I also have a few more things before we uh, we move on. Bowling Green beating Toledo twenty to seven. They were a twenty seven point underdog. Oh so. yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Lynn Bowden Jr. getting the start at quarterback for Kentucky and beating Arkansas. He had twenty four carries for one hundred and ninety six yards and two touchdowns, and he was seven of eleven through the air. So very good game from him. And then the last thing I want to bring up is uh, Rutgers losing at Indiana thirty five nothing, and. The reason I'm bringing it up is Rutgers Todd pointed out uh, a stat to us from uh, RCFB's Twitter account, and I actually fact-checked the stat because it sounded wrong, and it was wrong, but I have the real stat here. So Rutgers quarterback Johnny Langan had five completions for a total of one yard in the game. Wow. (laughs) And that is the second lowest yardage on at least five completions since 2000. Number one was Taylor Davis for Idaho against BYU in 2011. Five completions for negative six yards. Uh, oh my. <laughs> like, I, I don't remember that, but that's insane. That's, that's tough, man. Wow. So anyway, just had to bring that up. Sorry. Sorry, Rutgers fans. What was the stat that was wrong? Well, they said they said that um, it was the lowest five completions for one yard. And they said the second lowest was five completions for 46 yards. And I was like, that oh, sounds no. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That no. Maybe way. I misread the tweet, but either way. Maybe. Um, okay, let's uh, let's get into our segment. We now interrupt this podcast for a 1970s game show. Get ready to match the stars. Michael Newman, Ryan Newman, and Trey Newman as we play the star-studded big money college football match game. And now, here's the star of the college football match game, Sarah Stinson. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. We've got some great celebrities for you this episode. Ryan, you have the first turn as the contestant. And the point of the game is to match the answer that you think Trey and Michael will give. So, Ryan, you were telling us backstage that you have a secret weapon for this episode? I sure do, Sarah. I sure do. I made some holy water, and I've got it right here for for some good luck. And how did you make that holy water? I boiled the hell out of it. (laughs) Okay, your first statement is... The player who is not in the top five betting odds to win the Heisman but probably should be, is blank. So that top five is Tua, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, and Jonathan Taylor. It's a great question. Uh, okay, I went with Justin Herbert. I went, I went with Herbert just because th- there's a decent chance that Oregon could finish the season 12-1. and one. They're playing very well right now. Their defense is looking lights out. And I think Herbert's season is being underrated. He's completing nearly 70% of his passes. He's got 17 touchdowns to just one interception. 
So I don't see why he wouldn't have a, a realistic chance with those numbers and are on a really good team. Okay, Trey, did you also have Justin Herbert? I'm going with Jake Fromm. Oh, man, really? Yeah, you know, I, I almost went with Herbert, but uh, but I like the fact that Fromm has a lot more big stages coming up. He has Florida, Missouri, Auburn, the SEC title, potentially. If he plays well and, and Georgia wins all of those, he could sneak in. Okay, and Michael, who did you say? Well, I didn't say a player who just had his worst game of the season. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can cut that out, right, Sarah? Sure. Okay, good. Good. Right. Uh, so I said Chuba Hubbard. Wow. Yeah, not a match for you, Ryan. Oh. He's first in the nation in rushing yards by over 250 yards. He's got 13 touchdowns. And if he had played that entire game against McNeese early in the season, he literally might be on pace to break Barry, Barry Sanders' rushing record. So... Went with him. I'm surprised, gentlemen. Okay, that's zero points for Ryan. Oh, wow. Thanks, guys. Now, here's Trey's turn to be the contestant. Okay. Trey, we noticed you arrived a little late to the show today. Everything okay? Yeah, everything's fine, but that's the last time I asked Jeff Munkin for a ride. We were stuck in the slow lane, and he refused to pass. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Trey, you need to complete this sentence. The second best team in the ACC is blank. You can really spin a wheel and not have the wrong answer here, but I'm going to actually say Miami. Uh, I know they're three and three, but they just beat Virginia and the defense played great. I like the look of the team since they put Nikosi Perry back in at quarterback and they have a very favorable back half of the schedule coming up. Michael, what was your answer for the second best team in the ACC? Well, does Clemson's second string count? (laughs) Oh my Thank God. you. Thank you but so really. much. Uh, but no, you could really come up with, uh, like you said, Trey, a reasonable argument for a lot of teams. I did go with Miami. Oh, all right. Because there are three losses. One is a close one to Florida. No biggie there. And then there are other two at North Carolina and against Virginia Tech. Bill Connolly's postgame win probabilities we talked about earlier had Miami as the winner in both of those games. So maybe just some bad luck uh, for them to to lose on the scoreboard there. So I don't feel great about it. It's hard to feel great about any of these teams, but Miami's the pick. Ryan, how about you? Uh, I went a different way than these two fellas. Uh, I went with Virginia. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Sagarin's rankings, uh, he's got them at second right now, although that's 38th, so that's not very strong. But still, they're they're the next up. Uh, when you consider what they lost, they lost no, at Notre Dame. There is They competed, no harm there. And then they just had, they lost at Miami, and I thought they outplayed Miami in that game. They just happened to lose. Uh, their triple defense. <laughs> they just happened to <laughs> lose. Just happened to lose. <laughs> just a little thing. It's, you know, moot point. <laughs> so, it's close. You, you guys could, you're, it's not, Miami's not a horrible pick, obviously, but I, I'm going to say Virginia by the skin of their teeth right now. Yeah. Okay. So that's one point for Trey. Now it's Michael's turn as the contestant. So, Michael, you were also a little late to the show. Did you get a ride from Jeff Munkin, too? No, I was, I was in the slow lane with Art Sitkowski. He tried to pass, but couldn't. Oh. Ooh, sorry, Art. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. All right. Your statement is, Boise State looks like the favorite to get the group of five New Year's Six slot. But watch out for blank. 
I'm going to say watch out for Appalachian State. They're undefeated, so that's not necessarily a bold call. Um, their schedule is really easy, and they already do have a win at North Carolina and another opportunity. They're kind of one big opportunity left at South Carolina. But with that super easy schedule, they're going to need some help. They're going to need, obviously, Boise to lose, which this could certainly happen. And then they need the AAC to beat each other up. And that could easily happen, given how crowded it is at the top there. Ryan, what's your answer? Um, I went with Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, I mean, their only loss right now is Ohio State. And they maybe look like the best team in the country or one of the best teams in the country. There's nothing wrong with it. Other than that, Cincinnati has been unbeaten and really, really good. They beat UCF, knocked their long regular season win streak off. So they're going to be hard to hard to keep out of that New Year's six spot if they continue to run the table. Okay. And Trey, how about you? Yes, I also went with Cincinnati. Yeah, like Ryan, like you said, they they beat the prior favorite in UCF, and they're they're definitely the favorite to represent the East Division in the conference title. And their next four games super winnable before playing their last two against Temple and Memphis. But I like their chances. Okay, that'll do it for the college football match game. The final scores were Ryan zero. Trey, one, and Michael, zero. Congratulations to our winner, Trey. Thanks for watching, and now let's get back to the College Football Bros podcast. All right. Well done, Trey. Congratulations. Thank you. It's really an honor. Yeah. And thank you very much, Sarah. All right. You can go now, Sarah. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Bye, Sarah. Sarah. Yeah, she's leaving. Thank you. What? No, no. No, I, I don't like that. Just crush, just crush it up and put it in some applesauce. That that's that's how I like it. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. We are back. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Uh, week eight. Let's get to our week eight picks. Arizona State at Utah. Utah's favored thirteen and a half. What do you think, Trey? Well, what I think is it's unfortunate that this game is on the Pac-12 network, so not everyone's going to be able to see it. Uh, but Utah, man, they have really turned on the Jets since their loss to USC. They destroyed Wazoo and Oregon State, and what's encouraging is their their offense. Uh, Zach Moss, he's returned from his injury and has been running wild. Huntley's opened it up a little bit more, completing seventy five percent of his passes. You know, ASU they've they've surprised and impressed me, but this is a tough ta- task in Salt Lake, so I'm going to ride with the Utes. Yeah, I, I mean, I know Utah's been impressive, but ASU is the king of the close games right now. Uh, well. Who else did I say that? No, I said that about ASU, right? Yeah, it was ASU. Yeah. Okay, there's two teams there. There's, I think there's another one that I'm thinking of too. But anyways, Minnesota. Yes, I know they've had a lot of close ones and they've somehow been able to win most of them. So credit to them. Jaden Daniels has been a remarkable as a true freshman and their young defense has been great. So I'm going to have faith in Herm Edwards squad to keep this one interesting. So that seems like a big a big point spread. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm taking ASU. Yeah, uh, before I get to my pick here, I've got a, a fun stat for you. So with Tua and Jake Luton throwing their first interceptions this pack, past weekend, Tyler Huntley is now tied for the most touchdowns on the season without throwing an interception. He has nine. Do you guys know who he's tied with? Without throwing a pick. It's kind of a surprise. Is it Sam Howell? It is not Sam Howell. No, it, I don't know. But that was a good, how about good a, guess. How about um, a little hint? He plays... He's a freshman, true freshman, in the Big 12. Um, Baylor. Oh, Duggan? 
Max Duggan. Yeah, very good. Oh, wow. wow. Oh, man. Yeah, he would, did not expect that. But anyway, I like Arizona State. I'm, I'm with you, Ryan. I kind of echo your sentiments. And thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, I just think they're a hard team to blow out right now. They play solid defense. Jaden Daniels doesn't make mistakes. So, yeah, I'll take those points. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oregon minus three at Washington. Ryan, who do you like? I really like the Ducks. I know you don't really know what you're going to get from UW game to game, but you know what Oregon's going to bring. Their defense is going to be really good. They're only giving up 267 total yards per game. Combine the combine a good defense with a QB who essentially never turns the ball over, like you just mentioned, uh, Mike Reyesu, but even better with Oregon. Yeah, that that's tough to beat, and I I just trust Oregon at this point more than I trust UW. So I'm taking Herbert and the Ducks. Yeah, I'm actually going to be in Seattle this weekend. Did you guys realize that? Oh, that's right. You're what that that a wedding, right? Yes, I'm going to. A uh, good friend's wedding. I will not be at the game, but who's who's getting married? John. Oh, oh, I shouldn't say his full name. Probably I'll bleep it out just in case he wants privacy. Because all of our fans, you know, they'll yeah, sure. They'll who just, knows what they'll do? They'll hound <laughs> wedding him. crashers. They might, they, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, but anyway, my gut here when I saw this point spread was to take Washington as a home dog, just because it's home it's dog. hard to win. And oh, good job. Yeah, yeah, a home husky uh but i just i can't trust this washington team right now and and even at home usc actually competed pretty well up there with matt fink constantly throwing interceptions you know it wasn't a total blowout and cal won up there of course so yeah i am uh going with the talent on that oregon defense i think they're better on both sides of the ball than washington so i'll give the three well the matchup to watch is eason and ahmed against the number one SP plus defense of, of Oregon, uh, you know, Easton's kind of Jekyll and Hyde, as you guys have talked about with Washington as a team, but you know, and I, I love the Ducks D the offense has just been a little bit disappointing and now they lost their best receiver in Breland. He's out for the year. Herbert's going to, that's one less option for him. So I'm actually going to take the Huskies to cut to cover at home. Okay. Next game we have is Baylor at Oklahoma state. Cowboys are favored three. And I know I know who Ryan's going to take in this one. <laughs> Do you? Oh, I don't know. We'll see. But I like Oklahoma State. They're they're coming off a of bye. Baylor, on the other hand, coming off of a hard-fought double overtime victory, and they're of course a little lucky to be six and zero. We know a loss is going to come one of these weeks. They just lost one of their best defensive players, Clay Johnston, at linebacker, and I just kind of gut feeling expect a bounce back from Spencer Sanders. He's been really bad the past three games but i trust gundy i trust that offensive staff so oklahoma state minus three i'm gonna make it my lock Mm, wow i totally agree with everything you say mike i mean baylor like you said they've been really playing with fire obviously fortunate last week they pulled out a squeaker against iowa state prior to that and with with that that week off to regroup i think that's gonna reinvigorate spencer sanders because he, he had been a little shaky but i think the time off gundy will get him right so i think they're going to give baylor their first loss mm, man you guys are just making my case for me spencer sanders up against charlie brewer <laughs> well, come on yeah brewer looked great last week didn't he who won the game <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah now he struggled a little bit but hey it's okay uh yeah. okie state doesn't have a good defense he'll he'll look a lot better this week yeah 
No, but really though, Spencer Sanders is shaky, man. Uh, Baylor's got a good D. They're much improved. I think they're going to be able to contain Chuba Hubbard a little bit. I know he's your Heisman dark horse at this point, Mike, but Baylor, they only allow 113 yards in the game. They they mean business up front. So I'm taking the Bears plus the points. Okay, uh, moving on to Florida, minus five and a half at South Carolina. Trey, what do you see here? You guys, I'm I'm in trouble. Will Muschamp, he's he's dragging me back in. Oh he's no, dragging me back oh, in. No. Liking the Gamecocks, I'm going to be so mad if they bite me again. But I'm taking the Gamecocks to cover here. The Gators, they're going to Columbia after back to back physical games against Auburn and LSU. Now they have to go on the road again and play a Gamecocks team that we saw what they did against Georgia. But they they are a top fifteen SP plus defense. Trask banged up, so please don't let me down, South Carolina. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go the opposite way here. Muschamp does did say he expects Holinsky to play in this this one despite the the sprained knee, but we're recording this on Monday, so we of course still don't totally know how healthy is he is and outside of this big Georgia win, of course, nothing on South Carolina's schedule is all that impressive. So, while an upset of course wouldn't be a total shock here, it's only a five and a half point spread. I just like the way Kyle Trask is playing and really the only team to have any success or a lot of success offensively against Florida this year has been LSU and South Carolina is not LSU. So uh, I'll take Florida to cover. Yeah, I agree with Michael here. I Even if uh, Helensky is able to play, it certainly would be very shocking if he was 100%. He's not going to be able to move around very well and, you know, give that... Florida defensive line, a lot of, they're going to be all over Helinski. Zanuga is an absolute beast. So I think it's going to be a, a tough matchup for that South Carolina offense. And Florida, hey man, they just showed that they can put up points against a good defense. So yeah, I, I, to me, this is uh, Florida all the way here. Okay, our final big game here is Michigan at Penn State. Penn State is favored by nine. As we mentioned, game day is going to be at this one for the whiteout. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, nine is, uh, I don't know, it seems like a lot of points going up against Michigan, but uh, yeah, I'm taking Penn State here, though. I, I don't see how the Maize and Blue are going to be able to score more than 10 to 14 points. It's just, they can't move the ball, and Penn State's their third in the country, giving up just 3.8 yards per play, also third in the country uh, in rushing defense, and Penn State's offense is also better than Michigan, so, I mean, they're not amazing, but they're better. So Nitty Lions, they're just better on both sides of the ball. So I'm going to give the points, and I'm going to make this my lock. Yeah, if Michigan wants to gain their respect back, they're going to need to pull out a win here, or at least at least look good in a loss. Uh, you know, since that Wisconsin game, the defense has played much better, but it, it did get a little leaky there in the, the second half against Illinois. But I just don't have any confidence in Shea Patterson, uh, especially against the Nittany Lions top top 10 defense and you, you know when you watch their offense it, it looks so hard for them to score so that's I know it's a lot of points to give but I just like the Nittany Lions more right now so I'm going to take Penn State yeah my gut reaction was like you guys to to take Penn State because it's just I mean Michigan seems like they kind of suck right now at least compared to expectations but the more I thought about it I think this game at least has the potential to go just like the Iowa at Michigan game did, just like the Penn State at Iowa game where not a lot of points were scored, just kind of an ugly game. And if it is that ugly, it's it's hard for a big favorite to cover. So, I mean, of course, there's a part of me that worries that Penn State might just win 31 to 10 and totally blow them out. But I will reluctantly take eight points and make it my lock. 
No, I'm not. I'm not. That I, you say eight points? Oh, I'm sorry. Nine points. You're just giving us one? No, I'll take nine. I will take nine. Sorry. <laughs> I saw eight okay. somewhere, but I'll give me nine. Give me nine. I'm not locking right. it in, though. That was a joke. No. no. Uh, okay. It is time for the honorable mentions. All right. The first one we got is Pitt. Their favorite three at Syracuse. This one's on Friday night. I know Syracuse has been really disappointing this year, but I'm surprised they're an underdog at home. Uh, I'm not buying Pitt yet. Yeah, they beat UCF, but since then they've barely beat Delaware and Duke, and Kenny Pickett Pickett has a 6-4 to touchdown to INT ratio. So I I think Pitt will take advantage of Syracuse weak defense, but I'm picking the orange to cover, and actually I'm going to make them my lock of the week. Kind of scary, but I am. Ohio State (laughs) is given 28 at Northwestern. This one's also on Friday night. It's hard to give this many points on the road, but I'm not getting in in front of this Ohio State train. Northwestern, they haven't been able to do anything on offense this year, and they're not going to be able to do much against Chase Young and the Buckeye defense. Ohio State just thrashed an even better defense in Michigan State, so I don't see Northwestern keeping it close. I'm going to take Ohio State. Kentucky is playing Georgia. Georgia looking to rebound. They're favored 24 and a half. The question is, how do they respond after that tough loss? I think they're going to bounce back in a resounding way and and cover. Lynn Bowden, yeah, he filled in great last week, led the comeback win over Arkansas. Might still be the quarterback over Sawyer Smith, but, but Georgia in Athens, that's a little tougher than the Razorbacks. I think Fromm and Swift will bounce back. Finally, LSU's given 19 to Mississippi State. Michael, the, the wheels are kind of falling off for Joe Moorhead and the Bulldogs as they just lost 20-10 to 10 to Tennessee. Yeah, it's not looking good. Their offense has been sputtering, and now you got high-flying LSU. But it just seems too easy to take LSU. This is a sandwich game for them. They just played Florida. They got Auburn next week. I'm going to be a little contrarian and say the Bulldogs' defense slows down Burrow just enough to keep it within the spread. So I'm taking Mississippi State. Okay, my first game here, Clemson minus 24.5 at Louisville. This is probably Louisville's, or sorry, Clemson's best chance to lose uh, until their last game of the season at South Carolina, which is pretty crazy considering it's such a big spread. But uh, Mikel Cunningham, Trey, you mentioned, got hurt last game. Not sure if he'll be ready this weekend, but either way, Evan Conley is a definitely a solid replacement. And I like Louisville's offense a lot right now. They're 20th in SP+. I think Clemson, of course, you know, gets out to a big lead probably and wins easy, but I think Louisville can get a late cover. Iowa State, minus six and a half at Texas Tech. I just don't trust Jet Duffy yet against a really good defense. And if Iowa State can get back O'Ryan Vance, back at linebacker to rush the passer, Greg Eisworth in the secondary, two guys that, well, Vance just went out at, I think, around halftime of last game. So not sure if, if they'll be healthy yet, but either way, I like Brock Purdy through the air, Brees Hall on the ground. I will take the Cyclones. And then Florida State at Wake Forest. Wake's favored two and a half. This game's going to be a shootout, and I don't worry about Sam Hartman potentially filling in for Jamie Newman because he's probably nearly as good. Uh, but I'm going to take Florida State because, to me, I just think it's going to go score for score. It's kind of a coin flip game, so I'll just take two and a half. And then Southern Miss at Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech's favored one and a half. This could end up being the de facto Conference USA West championship. I'm going to take Southern Miss. They have the much better quarterback, Jack Abraham, fourth in the country in passing yards, fifth in yards per attempt. And Louisiana Tech's strength of schedule is 153rd in the country. They just haven't beaten anybody. Yikes. Uh, And that's with Texas on their schedule. So that says something. Finally, some big AAC matchups. Tulane at Memphis. Memphis is favored four and a half. Uh, Big AAC West matchup. 
I like Tulane. Their only loss so far, 24-6 at Auburn. I think Willie Fritz will keep it close. And then finally, Temple at SMU. SMU's favorite, seven and a half. Temple's got a really good defense this year. And while I do love my boy Shane Bechel, I think they're going to get the win, but I'll say Temple covers. All right, Mike. Good job. Thank you. It was a lot of games. It was a lot of games. I'm finally ready to go here. I'm going to start off with, uh, we got the ACC Coastal race here. we got North Carolina. They're a three-point favorite at Virginia Tech. Hard to, pre- hard to predict uh, Virginia Tech this year, but I'm going to go with them. Uh, their offense has been a little better lately, and every game North Carolina's played in this year has been a one-possession game, except for their last game against Georgia Tech. So five out of six. They play close games. Yeah, Hendon Hooker looked pretty good last game. So Yeah. And then the next one, we got Duke at Virginia. Uh, the Cavaliers are favored three and a half. I mean, I know I picked Virginia to be the second best team in the ACC, but I'm going to take the Blue Devils. I mean, in the ACC, unless Clemson's playing in the game, I'm just going to take the points because they're all like a coin flip, I feel like, otherwise. I do think Virginia's going to win, um, but it'll be super close. So Yeah, I mean, none of us mentioned Duke but they, when we were talking about second best, but they they were right there. Pitts right there. Louisville, like, NC Louisville, State. It's Wake. It's crazy. It's nuts. It really is. So that's why I'm taking them. And next game, Texas A&M is favored six right now at Ole Miss. Uh, A&M season, you know, it's just going like you kind of expect. They beat the bad teams, lose to the good teams, just like last year. They've they've lost to uh, they've lost to Clemson, Alabama, and Auburn tough stretch for sure uh and they still have at georgia and at lsu left just a <laughs> remarkably brutal schedule yeah uh so they really need this one and i think they're gonna get it i think they'll play well uh and win by you know a touchdown or so so give me the aggies here uh moving on uh to the west coast we got arizona at usc who's favored nine uh brutal first half of the year for for usc they had a tough stretch uh, so I don't think any of us are surprised they're three and three, but they've they've played well even in their losses. It's tough tough loss last week at Notre Dame, but Slovis is clearly the guy when healthy. Uh, but Arizona they've they've been playing better lately too, outside of ever since their week zero loss um, and outside of the second half last week against UW. But I think Khalil Tate is going to do enough to to keep this one close. So I'm going to take the uh, the nine points with Arizona, and finally. The Boise State Broncos, minus six and a half at BYU. Tough matchup here for BYU without Zach Wilson. Jaron Hall is just not him. He's just not quite as good. Yeah, and didn't he get hurt last game too? Yeah, he did. And they lost to USF. Yeah, exactly. That was a a very rough loss. So I I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with Boise, even without Hank Bachmeyer, who, as we mentioned, already got hurt. But Chase Cord... Look totally fine filling in Jalen Henderson, so I'm going to take Boise uh, minus the points there. All right. Good work, everybody. Thanks, Mike. Well, especially me, though. I felt like I really brought it. Yeah, sure, Mike. Okay. No, Sarah's the MVP of this episode, I would say. Every episode, right? That's true. That's true. Yeah. But especially this one. All right. Should we move on to the questionable finish? Let's finish it in style. Mark D'Antonio was asked if it was a mistake not to bring in a new offensive staff, and he called it a dumbass question. What question for a specific coach can you think of that would make them the most angry? 
Ah, uh, man, I think at this point, I, I'm going to go home or here, but I, I, I think at this point, if you're going to ask Scott Frost about the center position and hit the snapping ability, I think that would really start to, to anger him. He's, he's behind Cam Jurgens 100%, man. He's going to live and die by it. All right. Well, I would ask Kirby Smart if he regrets not starting Justin Fields over Jake Fromm. Ooh, Ooh, that's a good one. Ooh. Yeah. Before I give my answer, like, that's a great question by the reporter. I mean, you knew the answer wasn't going to be good, but it takes balls to ask that question. <laughs> it takes a lot of guts to ask that. <laughs> but we know we know Nick Saban, he's, he can get a little hostile. So if you were going to ask him about LSU right now, even though they have two games before that, I, I wouldn't want to do that. Mm. Yeah, good point. Uh, so next question. Previously, one in four, UNLV won 34 to 10 this weekend at Vanderbilt. What should Vanderbilt fans look forward to? This is this is tough. I mean, I want to say basketball season. They're not going to be good, but Jerry Stackhouse is their new coach, so maybe they can uh, see if he'll... I saw our, our friends at the three-man weave have them 14th in the SEC. Yeah, it's it's not good, <laughs> but maybe Stackhouse will show something. Yeah. You know, the baseball team is usually play? good. Can he play? That would help. That, yeah, exactly. Are you guys surprised that Bryce Drew didn't pan out there at all? I didn't think they would drop off that much from Stallings. Wow, you're you're having me dip into an area that I'm not exactly as knowledgeable oh, in. Okay, I, I thought the recruiting the recruiting was great, right? Yeah, it was good, but then they would just had a guy get injured, and you know it just doesn't always pan out. But uh, yeah, I thought Bryce Drew was a good hire. Apparently not. All right, well, back to football, Ryan. Yeah. I think that uh, Vandy fans they should look forward to the last game of the season against Tennessee. They own them, right? True, true. I mean, for now at least. Um, I'm going to say baseball. Trey, you said basketball, but baseball, they were... They're, they're always what, a good uh, team. The final game, right? They. That's true. Yeah, they, would they, they... Didn't they win it all? No, did they win it all? Oh, I don't know. I thought <laughs> Vandy was in the finals. I couldn't even tell you right now, but they had David Price a few years back. I mean, they've, they're traditionally a good baseball team. I know, that's what it means. Look forward to the baseball. Michael's looking it up right now. I am looking it up right now. It was... Who won it all? Who won it all? Vanderbilt. Oh, Vanderbilt. All right. Well, there you yeah, go. See? The Commodores. <laughs> National champs. Right, defend their title. Uh, okay. Let's move on to the upset special. San Jose State. I'm taking San Jose State. They are seven and a half point dogs against San Diego State. And Josh Love having a good year at quarterback for them. And San Diego State's offense is 125th in SP+. So usually the other the opponent always ha- has at least a chance yeah <laughs> good point i gotta say sorry to my my wazoo friends out there listening but this is this is just business washington state's defense has been so bad lately in colorado we know they have a pretty good offense yeah i know they got hammered by oregon but they're the number one defense so i'm gonna take colorado they're getting 13 and a half but they could they could win in pullman all right i could see that um well i i, I hit one last week boys i had louisville beating Wake. Nice. So. All right. Well done. Thank it's you. Been, it's been pretty dry this year for us. Yeah. Well, remember a couple years ago, we were hitting them. We were like 500 on them. Yeah, I know. We were like better than that than our locks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. But this week, I'm going with Temple. Uh, they're seven and a half point dog, as Michael mentioned, at SMU. They just beat a good Memphis squad. And SMU, they had to squeak one out last week against Tulsa. Kind of got lucky, but also a little unlucky with the weird touchback touchdown think of a jigger yeah. but you know that's, uh, i like temple they're pretty good all right thanks for listening to the college football bros podcast before we go it's been a while oh boy i think it's time to hear from bruce feldman has it really uh, been a while 
The Instagram gave him some love this past weekend. I, yeah, I did. I, I follow us on Instagram at College Football Bros. I took a picture of my TV with Bruce on there and drew a heart. So, <laughs> um, but no, I, yeah, Ryan, I don't know if it's been a while, but even one week is too long without Bruce. So, what do you got to say, Bruce? Now you're plugging him in my face. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's oh, a new Bruce. No. Oh, I am so. I. Bruce, that's oh. Bruce. This is a family show. I can't believe he said, I am so sorry. I'm going to give Bruce another chance here. What is he feeding you his like burnt ends while he was getting you to do this late at night? Oh, <laughs> what is going on? Bruce, I am uh, Michael, again. Did you, uh, did you stick a mic in his apartment or something? What's going on? I here? am very, very sorry to our listeners. We're not going to have Bruce on for for a week. He's he's suspended for a week. <laughs> dirty, dirty Uncle Bruce. <laughs> anyway, uh, that'll do it for this episode. And enjoy football this weekend. If you see me walking in the streets of Seattle, don't say hello. I'm very private. I don't like so I, you know. There's just all these fans come up to me just please stop okay it's awkward it's very awkward but anyway we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week you've been listening to the college football bros if you have any questions for the next podcast email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com to keep up with the brothers on social media like them on facebook at college football bros follow them on instagram at college football bros and for their commentary on saturdays Follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening. Now you're plugging him in my face.